I don't know about you, but I've got New Year's fever. I love it. I am just bursting with motivation. I have surges of motivation to love God this year like I've never done before. Love my family like I've never done before. Serve you like I've never done before. Take care of my body like I've never done before. It's wonderful. The only other time of year when I get a taste of this is when I come back from my vacation in the summertime and I face a new ministry season. It's not as high, but it's still pretty good. I just wish I could bobble this stuff because there are some days when I'm totally unmotivated. I just feel like I'm overwhelmed. What can I do? But now I feel I can do anything, which, of course, I can't. But at least I feel that way, which gives me a push in the right Direction. How many have New Year's fever out there? Ah, raise your hand really high. Okay, well, that's great to see. And for those of you that don't have any of it, I'm really sorry. <laughs> you must just be going. <laughs> Let's look at some common New Year's uh, goals. This came out of a Pittsburgh paper. Spend more time with friends and family, fit and fitness, tame the bulge, the holiday bulge, plus the bulge that was before the holiday bulge. And uh, quit smoking, enjoy life more, uh, quit drinking, get out of debt, learn something new, help others, get organized, uh, all, all good goals. We've got some Springbrook resolutions. We call them our HeartStrong resolutions. Last April, we cast a new vision uh, for our ministry, and so many of you sacrificially got behind it financially and continue to give to this new vision, and we're really going to... I have a great time this year uh, seeing God work uh, through these different uh, areas that we want to grow in where God uh, we want God to show up. But worshiping God together, enhancing our services, worshiping God one-on-one, uh, loving our families, our kids and our, our wife, and uh, love our community, uh, to, to reach out in compassion uh, to the people in our community and show them the love of Christ, hopefully, uh, seeing them come to know uh, Jesus. But the one I want to focus on today is worship God one-on-one. This is one of our heart-strong themes. And this is a great time of year to engage, again, if you haven't been, in your time alone with God. Maybe over the holidays you got together uh, with friends and family, and maybe you had that feeling with maybe someone you hadn't seen in a while. I just wish I could see them more regularly because they encourage me. I just had so much fun with them. But you know that takes time. That takes commitment to do that. How many of you have a person outside of your family that you say, I need to get together with this person at least once a month? Really, because they're they're so important in my life, I'll do anything to make sure I get together with them once a month. Raise your hand. All right, uh, because these people are so precious to you, and so they rise to the level of a top priority. Well, friends, the only New Year's resolution that I want to encourage you in today is to spend time with Jesus. That's what it means, worshiping God one-on-one. It's great that you're here. Thank you for honoring the Lord by coming to worship Him. That's great. Uh, it's great that you're involved in a small group. We're going to be kicking off small groups here soon. I have an enrollment opening next week. Uh, I encourage you to become part of a small group. That's where 
you find friends and you uh, really get to know uh, people better and, and you feel more part of Springbrook. Uh, but there's no replacement for spending one-on-one -on -one time with God. This is You spend one-on-one -on -one time with the people you care about and that enriches the relationship. If you want a richer relationship with Jesus, you just got to spend more time with Him. You got to invest in that relationship. And we've talked about in the past, we've talked about the daily office. Now, you can call it the quiet time, you can call it devotions. But the reason I, I like the word or phrase daily office is that it's, it's the idea of, of regular times with God as you go throughout the day. In fact, it's from uh, monks and monasteries. It's still done today. They have what they call a daily office. They have a morning office, an afternoon office, and then an evening office. And so you spend time with God several times a day. And what that does is it just helps you to be more aware of His presence and that He's with you and you think more about Him uh, throughout the day. So what I encourage people to do is spend at least 15 minutes in at least one office a day, whether it be in the morning or the evening or at lunchtime. I spend 15 minutes praying, reading God's Word, meditating, listening. So spend that 15 minutes and then... Add another office during the day, maybe five minutes at lunch or five minutes at dinner when you just spend some time praying. I do that quite often uh, when I'm in my office. I have an alarm that goes off, and uh, I'll just spend uh, maybe just several minutes talking to God, and I'll talk about exactly what's going on at that moment. Lord, i got that issue going on. Thank you for this. And I'll just make that connection with Him, and I'll have a short office right there. But you build God into your day. You integrate your day with Jesus. And so that's what I want to encourage you in. And I want to take it to a new level as we move into the new year. Again, if you don't have anything going on, I encourage you just to have one, that 15-minute uh, time. Uh, or uh, I, I go to a second one. Say, so, okay, as I move into January here, I'm going to have another time during the day, just five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you feel comfortable with. Just connecting with God and set your smartphone or whatever type of alarm that you have to remind you every day just to stop and to focus on the Lord. Now, I'm going to be sending an email out weekly during this new series uh, to help you in your daily office. And if it's helpful, that's great. If it's not, whatever. But it's going to be based on my message. And it will help you to remember what we talked about, the lessons we learned, some questions that you can think about, to meditate upon the Scripture that we study. Now, if you could take out your programs at this time and rip off the communication slip. If everybody could do that right now, take out your green program. I want you to do this every week, obviously, so we can better care for you spiritually, uh, and rip off this communication slip. And uh, if you're a regular attender, all you have to do is put down the names of the adults who are here. If you're a guest... Uh, we encourage you to fill out as much information as possible. Thank you so much for being here. Be sure to stop by our Welcome Center where you can pick up some brownies. I know that's not going to help you with your diet, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Maybe you can start tomorrow. But all I had to say is uh, we also have a video of our HeartStrong Vision uh, that you can pick up back there. But uh, write that out and uh, fill out the information and any prayer requests you have. Uh, but then it says Next Steps under the name. Next Steps. And... If you would like to receive an email uh, from me weekly, we're just going to experiment here, 
uh, with some daily office information. I encourage you in that. Just circle number three. Now, be sure to put your email down, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, circle number three and put your email down. Because I want to encourage you in that way. And I would lo- I just love to hear from you guys in terms of how you're growing, uh, how, what God is doing in your life. So please, send me email. Uh, let me know or post it. Send me a message on Facebook, whatever is the easiest way uh, for you to do that. Now, uh, there, are, there are so many resources out there to help you to get to know God's Word and spend time with Him. The one that we always encourage, if you've got nothing else, you don't know what to do, uh, you can use the daily bread. I think we might have some copies left back there on the ministry counter. Uh, but you can have this delivered to you on your iPhone, email, whatever it might be. There's all different ways. But if you go to odb.org, you can write that down odb.org, that's a great way to start. That can, that can be one of your daily offices during the day. That can maybe be a morning or evening. Uh, it's, it's good stuff all the time. Uh, Bible reading plans, version. I was just talking uh, with Todd Romeiser back here, and uh, he uses the version, and they've got Bible reading plans. Maybe you haven't read the Bible through ever in your life. Well, I would encourage, this is a year to do it, to read through the Bible. And it's never been easier with the iPad, a Kindle, whatever, your smartphone. You just get the app and you just open it up and you read wherever you might be. And I was talking with this particular individual, Todd, and uh, he he travels a lot and it's great. At the airport, he just opens up the app and he does his Bible reading. He said he got about five months through and maybe he died in Deuteronomy, I'm not sure. But he wants to get back on track, okay? And so he said, I, what you said today really encouraged me to do this. And that's my whole goal, is to encourage you to get back into the Word, back into that regular spiritual rhythm in your life of spending time with God. So youversion.com, uh, you can type in one-year Bible, a one-year reading plan, and it will come up with a bunch of them uh, that you can look at. Uh, the oneyearbible.com is another uh, one-year plan. So... There are so many resources, but my commitment to you in regard to our heart-strong vision is that all of us would be spending daily time with God, not out of a legalistic type of sense, but because we need it. We need to spend time uh, with Jesus. All right. Well, uh, I want to take a look at, uh, first of all, as we get into our series, the wisdom literature found in the Old Testament, it's also called the poetry books. And there's the major prophets, the minor prophets. You've got the historical books. And then you have uh, the wisdom literature. Uh, you have Job, which was written about the same time as Genesis was written very early on. And that, of course, is all about suffering. And then we have Proverbs. And of course, that has a lot of wisdom in it. Uh, Solomon wrote uh, uh, many of those. Uh, Psalms, that's all about worship. David wrote the majority of those, but Solomon also wrote uh, some of the Psalms. Uh, Song of Solomon, it's all about marriage and the gift of sex, and Solomon wrote that. And Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's all about the meaning of life. And we are going to begin a three-month study of the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, I am just uh, really excited about diving into this book and studying it for my own personal uh, spiritual growth and then being able to share uh, with you. But I just don't want you coming here on the weekend to hear what I have to say. I want you to be studying the book as you go uh, throughout the week. And hopefully uh, my emails will help you and, and 
and you taking your own initiative in that way and being a self-feeder. Uh, now, the thing about Ecclesiastes, it's such a puzzling book. You're going through a read to the Bible in a year plan, and you get to Ecclesiastes, and it's kind of like, what? You know, it's just so depressing, like everything is meaningless, and uh, it's a puzzler. But if you really study it, which you need to do with most of Scripture, uh, to really understand it and understand the context and who the author is and, and what the purpose behind it is, it's such a powerful book, and it's such a revelant book for any people, but especially for us today in terms of how does one really live the Christian life. So let's pray as we begin to study. Lord, I, I look forward so much to this three-month study of Ecclesiastes, and I pray that you would help us all to grow. And I pray mostly for myself that you would uh, search deep within me and my inner motivations and uh, what drives me in life. And I pray you continue to purify me uh, to make Jesus the only thing that truly satisfies, the one thing that I seek and pursue more than anything. I so easily get off the path. And I pray the same for my friends. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, let's jump in here. Ecclesiastes 1.1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now, the words of the preacher, that word preacher, that Hebrew word in the Latin is Ecclesiastes. That's where we get the book name. Ecclesiastes means preacher. Okay? Ecclesiastes 1.1. Who is the preacher? The son of David, king in Jerusalem. Well, it's Solomon. And he names himself a few verses down. Solomon is the author of Ecclesiastes. On his deathbed, David appointed Solomon to be the one who would uh, succeed him and he, of course, built the temple. Solomon uh, was just a very interesting person. Uh, he was asked by God, uh, Solomon, you know, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. Wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if God gave you a blank check? Anything you want, I'll give it to you. What would you ask for if God in some way communicated to you, okay, what do you want? I think a lot of people would ask for financial security. God, I want to be set for life. <laughs> I want my kids to be set uh, for life. Other people might ask for health. Maybe say, oh, Lord, I just want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. I want to live a long life, and I want to die in my sleep. <laughs> okay? That's what I want. Other people uh, might ask for uh, fame. They, they might want to say, hey, listen, I, I want to be known. I, I want when, when people to meet me, they say, oh, you're that guy, or you're that gal. Oh, really? You've done that? Right? Maybe that's what uh, you might ask for. Uh, or you might just ask, make my life really easy. <laughs> no problems. We could ask for anything. And Solomon could have asked for anything. And what did he ask for? He asked for what? Wisdom. That's right. Wisdom. Such an unusual thing to ask for. If you got like the genie, right? Three wishes. He's going to ask for wisdom. But Solomon does. And that impresses God so much that he gives Solomon everything. He gives him power. He gives him fame. He gives him all the pleasures 
of the world. He gives him a life that very few men have ever lived. Here he was, the king over Israel at its zenith point. It was the largest that it would ever be. It was, it was a time of peace. It was a time of prosperity. And he was really a man who could have anything that he wanted. He called the shots. He was in total control of his life. And here he had the wisdom from God. He, he had 700 wives. Oh, man, what would, be, what, would, what would that be like today to go home to 700 wives. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I'm coming up to you and saying, Honey, we haven't had much quality time together lately. <laughs> you know, there's wisdom in one wife, isn't there? <laughs> and one husband as well. Uh, he had 700 wives because, as we've talked about before, that's how you'd make political alliances with these different countries to keep uh, the peace but uh, that wasn't God's will. Uh, that wasn't God's will. And he, he, on top of that, he had 300 uh, concubines. And they were basically lower wives, and they met David's needs, whatever they might be. And so this guy was oversexed, no doubt. And, I mean, he had everything, everything you can imagine. And, and, and really it was his wives that, tempted him to go down the wrong path. Now, he, he was totally sinful. I mean, he was a sinful person, and he made the choices, but his wives tempted him because they brought their little idols from their different countries and said, Oh, Sally, can't you, can't you worship my idol too? Can't you build a, uh, a temple to my idol? Oh, please, can't you do that? You know, and then he goes, Oh, okay, I'll give in, and I'll worship that idol, but I'll keep worshiping God. And he was worshiping a bunch of gods. And Solomon's life ended in a disaster. A disaster. I mean, he lived a life of sin, a life far from God. And I believe that in the end he came back to God. And that's when he wrote this book. This is a reflection upon Solomon's life. And the most fascinating thing about it is that Solomon lived a life several decades of life, just pursuing satisfaction in life without God. Because he didn't want anything to do with God. He was worshiping all these other gods. So I call this the grand experiment of Solomon. Here's a guy who had everything in the world than you can imagine. And uh, he went on this grand journey, conducting this grand experiment to find out what really satisfied in life without God being a part of it whatsoever. So that's what we're stepping into here as we look at this book. All right, well, verse 2 says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all's vanity. What is the man gained by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now, this word vanity is the key word for the book of Ecclesiastes. It is mentioned or used uh, 38 times in 12 chapters. You do the math. 38 times in 12 chapters. What does the word vanity mean? Well, it, were, it means meaningless. Meaningless, says the preacher. 
meaningless, meaningless, meaningless of meaningless. <laughs> Everything is meaningless. Saying, really? Free Solomon? Everything is meaningless? Marriage is meaningless? Yes. Kids are meaningless? Yes. Possessions are meaningless? Yes. Sex is meaningless? Yes. Everything is meaningless? Yes. You kind of want to talk to Solomon and say, you need an antidepressant, man. You're, <laughs> you're way too pessimistic here. <laughs> but Solomon was in his right mind at this point, and he was reflecting upon a life of searching for satisfaction. And he said, life is meaningless. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? So that word gain there is the idea of financial gain. When you make a transaction, you want to make a gain. When you sell your house, you want to make a gain, which is very challenging these days. But you want to make a gain. So he says, when it's all said and done, what does man gain for all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And he says, nothing, nada. Wow, what, how does this figure? I mean, where does this fit into uh, the theology of Scripture? What you need to realize is what he's saying is, what does man gain by all the toil which he toils without Jesus? Okay? So whenever you see that phrase, under the sun, which is another critical phrase, 19 different times uh, in Ecclesiastes, whenever you see that phrase, under the sun, just read without Jesus. And when you see meaningless, just add without Jesus. Everything is meaningless without Jesus. Everything is, uh, everything you do is meaningless without Jesus. Under the sun means without Jesus. All right? That's very important uh, to understand. And what's fascinating about this book is when you look at the people that live around you that you work with, they're all little Solomons. Okay? They're all little Solomons. Because what are they doing? They're trying to figure life out. And if they don't know Jesus, what's happening is, is they are chasing everything. They're trying to find what really brings me satisfaction. What really brings me meaning. Now, they may or may not be aware that uh, Solomon has already done this. And he had all the resources, all the time in the world. Uh, he was the one who's done this experiment. And he says, hey, without God, without Jesus, it's all meaningless. But there are people all around us who are trying so hard to find satisfaction and meaning in life, and they continue to come up empty. And so you say, well, Dan, okay, I understand that. Yeah, Jesus is the only thing that brings satisfaction in life. And I'm a Christ follower, so I don't think this book really applies to me. I already know the answer. Well, you might know the answer. But the question is, are you living out the answer on a daily basis? And I would say, and other, many others would say, we know the statistics, that the majority of Christians are living under the Son, without Jesus. I mean, they know Jesus, that Jesus is their Savior, but Jesus is not a part of their everyday life. 
and they're buying into everything the world says. Why do we do that? Because well, I have a sinful nature. And my sinful nature doesn't want to do what God says. Whatever God says, it's like, I don't want to do that just because I want to do my own thing. All right? And so therefore, if I have that type of orientation, I let my sinful nature rule me, well, I'll go through life and the world's been designed by Satan to tempt me to find satisfaction in other places. And therefore, uh, when I go through life without Jesus, without Him being the, the key thing that I'm pursuing, that I'm seeking, that I, I say, no true satisfaction and meaning is found in Jesus and a relationship with Him on a day-by-day basis. If I get away from that, what's going to happen is, is that I'm going to start to chase other things. And I'm going I'm to think that there's meaning in other things, the things that we've talked about, when really there isn't. And that's why this is such a powerful book, because I really believe, and I'm talking about myself here, that, that, that I'm such a sinful person, and I live in such a sinful world, that I need to be constantly reminded, and I need to be constantly brought back to the fact that it's all about Jesus. It's all about a relationship with God. That's why we're here on this earth. Not for all the other things that we think are going to bring us true satisfaction. So this is, this is a great book for people who don't know the Lord, but it's even a better book for those people who do know the Lord. So I would really encourage you to bring your friends out, to bring your neighbors out to this series, because really we'll go both sides. We'll go deep in terms of what believers need to know, but we'll also be talking about the gospel every time. It's that, hey, it's all about Jesus, Okay? And people are out there. They're chasing things. And as you bring them to church, if they're ready for that step, uh, they'll be hearing kind of the same message in different ways. And you say, why do I spend so much time on it? Because it's so much a part of us. It's so deep within us. And every time we look at a different passage in Ecclesiastes, we're going to learn a deeper thing. And the Holy Spirit's going to speak in a deeper way to us. And He's going to purify us from from this junk in our lives that, that says, I need this, I need that to be satisfied. All right? So uh, I'm excited about the journey that you and I will be going uh, through. So we go to verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Generations come and go. Generations about 40 years. Uh, remember Tom Brokaw's book, uh, The Greatest Generation, the World War II Generation, I would certainly agree with them. They were a great generation. And then came the boomers, <laughs> all right, 46 uh, to 1964. And, uh, yeah, the boomers, less traditional, kind of want to do their own thing. It's all about success. It's all about just getting everything you can out of life. Uh, uh, yeah, the good old boomers, uh, materialistic. And then you got the fosters, and they said, well, you know, we can do it better than our parents, you know, they're all about work, they're all about getting stuff, you know, we're going to be more simplistic in the way that we approach uh, life, and uh, then you got the millennials, my kids are millennials, uh, anywhere like 85 to 2005, there's different ways to cut it, but I was talking with my son who's a millennial, he's a senior in college, and he said, Dad, you wouldn't believe how hopeless kids are today, when he talks to his friends how hopeless they are about their future. And, and it's really, I think, the first generation in a while uh, that doesn't think that their lives are going to get better. 
they think it's going to get worse. And they're probably right, unfortunately. And they're probably closer to a biblical view of life, <laughs> right? <laughs> that it's all meaningless. It's chasing after materialism and success and the American dream is that it does not satisfy. It would be very interesting to see what happens as they uh, mature. But it's generation after generation. And the generations just come and go and come and go. I mean, think about 100 years from now, uh, three generations from now, 3,000, excuse me, 2013. What's going to be happening right here on this property? I don't know. I, I, I still pray, of course. I mean, Jesus Christ doesn't come back, of course. He can come back at any time. But if he chooses to tarry, uh, what would be happening on this property? I would pray that it would still be a church, but you just never know. Uh, and Algonquin Road would probably still be here, obviously. And, uh, yeah. But the earth remains forever, right? The generations just keep on going. We come and go and come and go and come and go. And we think there's something special about us, but there's really nothing special about us. All right, we go on to verse 5. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run on the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. So what do we see here? We see the cycle, the cycle of nature. The sun going up, going down. Not revolving around the earth. But you get that feeling, right? It comes up, and it goes down. It comes up, and it goes down. One thing you can count on until God does something about it. Uh, and, and then the wind. It, it, they get more and more uh, technological in these uh, weather reports. doesn't change their predictions. But <laughs> it's fun to see the graphics. Uh you get these jet streams, right? If the jet streams going, those jet streams are always, and they just keep going. They just keep going, right? The wind just keeps on going round and round and round and round. And then you got the water. The water's evaporated. The water comes down. Did you guys see the snow yesterday? I was so excited. It's about three o'clock here at church. I walk up. There's snow. Oh, and they're huge flakes. I mean, they're like this big. I think it was amazing. Snow. <laughs> that went away. But uh, it lasts like a half hour, I think. But it does come down, I think. <laughs> it's round and round we go. It's the same way with our lives. The bills keep coming. We pay them, but they keep coming. The only It'd be great to have a month off from bills, wouldn't it? A month off from bills? Like when you do your mortgage, you get that month off. You know, oh, whoa, you don't have to pay anything. Well, of course you do, but... Um, the credit cards, they give you a month off. Isn't that so kind? These credit card companies are so concerned about you and I during December when we're so burdened with so many purchases. And they say, listen, we know it's so hard during December, so we're going to give you a holiday. Just You don't have to pay your minimum this. Oh, really? That means I got another 100 bucks to spend. <laughs> yeah, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no, no. They're sharks. Okay? Uh, yeah, and your hair, you know, your hair just keeps on growing and growing and growing. Um, well, not my hair, in certain areas. My, my sons love to rub my bald spot. Say, Stop that! Yeah. 
Yeah, be, be thankful if your hair is growing in the right places, and uh, if it's the right color. Now, I, I, I color my hair a little bit, a little bit of gray, you know, just to look more mature. Uh, yeah, I'm all, every four weeks, got to get a haircut, got to get a haircut, you know. And then the dishes, the dishes, uh, dishes are always there, right? Yeah. How many did the dishes yesterday? Raise your hand. Okay. How many did them twice? How many did them three times? Man, they just will not stop. Even worse than that is laundry. Ah, oh, oh, dishes are a picnic compared to laundry. And I'm not speaking from experience here, okay? My wife does all the laundry. I'm terrible. I need to grow in that area. Somebody write, email me about that resolution about laundry. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just like everywhere. It, grow, it grows. It really does, doesn't it? It just grows. There's new clothes that grow. Not good clothes, but they grow. It's just like every day it keeps on coming. Oh, it gets so tiring. Uh he goes on, and this is where he kind of sums it all up. Verse 8, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. Can't even put it into words. The eye is not satisfied, the seen, or the ear filled with hearing. Wow. Don't you just get weary? That's why I like my New Year high, you know. Because there are other times as I go through my day, I'm just weary. There's so much to do. So many things I'm responsible for, and... It's just all the shame. It's just over and over again. The eye is not satisfied. There we go. You're not satisfied. Solomon was not satisfied with everything that he, he tried. With seeing or the ear filled with hearing. He's talking about the senses, you know. Uh, smell and eyesight and, uh, you know, hearing and, and touch. Uh, he checked them all out. <laughs> Five senses. And he says, there's no way to satisfy them. Uh, I mean, you think about the typical day. Think about tomorrow morning. I know it's depressing, but think about tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., your alarm clock might go off, and do your routine. You're out of uh, the house maybe by 7. How many of us Starbucks run? Anybody star- Starbucks people out there? Okay, I have to have your Starbucks or whatever it might be. And uh, so you go to work, and you get in your cube, and you spend three hours there uh, working you go to lunch uh, with maybe some people or maybe you eat in your cube. And, um, then you go back to work for four hours. And five o'clock, you, know, you head out and you get home by six. And then you have maybe some different activities that you're doing. You watch some TV and you go to bed. Now, what happens on Tuesday? The same thing. Maybe you have some different things to eat. Maybe you have a different evening activity. But it's the same thing. And then you got problems thrown in on top of that. <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. Oh, Saturday's here and Sunday's here. Monday, Saturday, Sunday. No wonder people live for the weekend, right? Well, yeah, life can get pretty dreary. It's pretty ordinary. In fact, I want to uh, look at some words from a philosopher that you might know. Uh, I can't get no satisfaction from uh, Michael Jagger. Uh, when I'm driving in my car and a man comes on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to fire my imagination. You see, this is some, 
keep forgetting that screen's gone. <laughs> to fire my imagination, some new information that's going to make me excited about life. He says, I can't get no. Oh, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. That's what I say when I'm watching my TV. And a man comes on to tell me how white my shirts can be. Well, he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. I can't get no. Say it together with me. Oh, no, no, no. Again, hey, hey, hey. That's what I say. I Say it with me. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Because, now, pace it with me here. Because I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. I can't get no. I can't get no. Now you can share with your friends you had that as a liturgy in church. They'll be quite impressed. <laughs> friends, this is the cry of the world since sin came into the world. I can't get no satisfaction, and I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. And this is the way the world lives, and fortunately, it's the way that we live many times, because we're craving key satisfaction in the wrong places, and not with Jesus. Verse 9. Oh, I have some pictures of Mick Jagger here. Uh, <laughs> He can't get no satisfaction, I don't think so. And that, that, that's kind of the truth. You know, we go from, you know, being babies and people taking care of us, and then on the other end of life, right, the same thing happens, you know, taking care of people who are elderly. And, uh, yeah, it, when, when you look at it without Jesus, you say, it is meaningless. It's, it's a waste of time without Jesus. All right. So, um, <clears throat> verse 9, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. Well, I've got one on Solomon. <laughs> Solomon never had a smartphone. Observe. Covet. This is my smartphone. I've got a newer, new smartphone. Uh, this is a Motorola uh, droid razor uh, and it's 4G I'm a late adopter 4G I always heard about 4G I mean 3G to 4G what I mean, really is it that oh yeah it's a difference man this thing is ripping ripping I can actually use the internet I don't have to sit there and wait and I'm like oh is this really worth it no it's like whoa it's there unbelievable and oh I tell you I just I just love everything about this phone. It's so light, you know, isn't that beautiful? Light, and and the interface, and you know, I really go way back. You know, I, I was an early adopter, like with the Palm, man. I was all over that thing, and uh, I'm not as much as I used to be, thankfully. But uh, all that to say is, uh, you know, I really get in uh, to this type of stuff. There's so much to discover. I could just spend hours in all the apps, ah, apps, 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 apps. Anybody find a new app this this past week that you really liked? Come on now. Yeah, of course you did. Spice up your life, man. No doubt about it. Well, Solomon, I'll tell you, this is new, my friend. This has changed my life. Oh, 
they changed my life. I mean, it gives me, well, it helps me communicate with people, gives me information, and I have a calendar. And I guess people have been doing that for quite a while. <laughs> and in a couple of months, uh, I'll just say, oh, whatever, just my phone. <laughs> I won't have any more interest in getting more apps or anything because I'm too busy with everything else in my life. But, uh, yeah, that's the nature of new stuff, right? I can remember being a kid, and uh, boy, I tell you, the uh, after Christmas buzz, huh? Right? With all your new toys. Oh, it's incredible. I used to go to my uh, best friend's gym across the street, and uh, we would always share, you know, play with our toys and things of that nature. And he had a an attic, and uh, he uh, had uh, a ping pong, not a ping pong, but a pinball machine one year. And I said, this tops them all, man, a real pinball machine in your house. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we learned that very young because that's, that's the way we're wired. We love new stuff. We love the buzz that we get. And I tell you what, some people will go to the grave looking for the next buzz. And you would think we'd get it over a period of time like, you know what? No matter what I buy, no matter how wonderful it is, it's just going to be something else in my life, another gadget I have to take care of and that kind of thing. We, but, but you see, here's the thing, guys. If they don't know Jesus, what else are they going to go after? Why should we blame them, right? If they don't know Jesus, if I didn't know Jesus, I'd be doing the same thing to the extent that they are. Because everybody's looking for satisfaction, and they're trying, and they're trying, and they're trying, and they're not finding it. And all of us at different times are trying and trying to find satisfaction out of a daily relationship with Christ. And we keep coming up empty, and we wonder, wonder, what's wrong with life? Verse 11, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of uh, later things yet to be among those who come after. So you're not going to be remembered. I'm sorry to break that to you. <laughs> One person said, two times you're in the newspaper, when you're born and when you die. Uh, verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom. This is talking about the grand experiment. Uh, you give, give the wisdom by God. All that is done under heaven, it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He was just sick of life at this point. He had had so much of everything that everybody wanted, he was just sick of it. Verse 14, I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And he really had. He had seen everything in the world at that time that was done. And behold, it is all meaningless without Jesus and a striving after the wind. Have you ever seen your neighbor out in your yard kind of running back and forth? Kind of going back and forth. And finally you go over there and say, hey, what's going on, Jim? I'm chasing the wind. You're what? I'm chasing the wind. Oh, really? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It keeps going. You know, I, I, I think I've got it, and then it's gone. Let's go inside, Jim. <laughs> but that's what they're doing. That's what you and I are doing. We're chasing the wind. How stupid is that? Yeah. Now, here's a key verse in uh, 15. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. What is crooked? What he's saying here, this is a metaphor for sin. See, Adam and Eve had this beautiful relationship with God. They chose to rebel. 
And after they rebelled, you know, everything went downhill. Sin came into the world. They had a sinful nature. Uh, again, sin was passed down through the generations to us. Uh, the earth was cursed. Uh, work was cursed. Uh, childbirth uh, was cursed. Uh, relationships uh, were cursed. Uh, you, you name it. And that's why this world is such a frustrating place to live with. You ever get frustrated? Oh, man, do I get frustrated. Oh, every day I get frustrated. Many times during that, it's not like I yell every time, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm working with computers. Oh, working with a car. Oh, you know, working with people. Oh, why won't they do what I tell them to do? I have a plan for their life, but they refuse to follow it. And I get frustrated. I'm frustrated most of the time, really, when I think about it. You know? It's like, life is not the way I want it to be, and it's never going to be because this is a sin-cursed world. And once we fully understand that, we won't be so frustrated because this is the way life is. It's always going to be imperfect. It's always going to be messy. It's always going to be painful. And when we have that ray of hope and enjoyment, savor, it's a gift God has given you, but don't have high expectations. <laughs> because when you have high expectations and in stuff and in pleasure and power and prestige and all that kind of stuff, you're going to be disappointed. But when you put your satisfaction in Jesus, and when you wake up every morning and say, the only thing I'm going to count on today is Jesus. He will not frustrate you. He will deliver. Not in the way maybe your expectations say, but that's why it's so important to cultivate that relationship. Uh, let's, uh, yeah, we'll skip uh, the last couple of verses there. On the same theme. Uh, but let's get, jump to John 10.10. 10. Here's, here's the good news, okay? Jesus Christ said, the thief comes only to steal and destroy. And he's talking about Satan. And Satan wants you chasing the wind. Satan wants you pursuing everything but Jesus. I'll tell you that. And he'll work to the day you die to make that a reality. But Christ says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You're saying, wait a second, Danden. Solomon say everything was meaningless. It's meaningless without Jesus. But if Jesus is the central point of your life, if you're abiding and walking in Christ and he's living through you and and, and and your life is just in tune with Him, you can enjoy good food, you can enjoy your relationship with your spouse, you can enjoy your kids, you can enjoy all this good stuff. But the problem is, is when you make something else the central focus of your life, a thing that you worship. And we all have a tendency to do that. And that's why the study of this book is going to be so powerful, because you know we hear messages like this, okay, I'll do better. Well, we're going to spend an extended amount of time talking about this. And I just ask that you would pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our congregation and take us to a new level of spiritual maturity about what really life is all about because we all struggle in this area, friends. We are all chasing the wind in some area. I guarantee you that. And if, you, if you're not chasing the wind in some area, come and talk to me. I'd like to hear about it. It's sin. Sin is chasing the wind, right? Well, uh, what do we need to do? We need to seek God. Uh, Matthew 6.33 is our memory verse for this uh, month. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That sums it all up. 
Make Jesus the focus, His kingdom the focus, and then God will give you blessings as He uh, decides. Uh, last week's, uh, excuse me, last month's memory verse was Ephesians 2, 8, 9. How many tried to memorize this verse? Raise your hand high. Excellent, excellent. Now, again, uh, maybe you knew that verse. How many tried to memorize another verse? Raise your hand high. All right, very good. Friends, this is just, these are disciplines of the spiritual life to help you to grow spiritually, to meditate and to memorize in Scripture. That's why we continue to have these for you. And if you know the verse or you don't like the verse, Find another one, you know, but do it, you know. Make it part of your daily office. Um, integrate Jesus into your daily office. Just again, quickly with the daily office. Do we have a slide up there? Okay. So again, uh, work on this this week. Uh, ask the Lord to give you the strength and commitment to do it, uh, to spending time uh, with Him. Now, let's pray. We've got to have our ushers come forward this time. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the time you've given us to reflect upon these important matters and I pray, Lord, oh, work deep within my heart. Reveal my sin, Lord. Reveal where I'm chasing the wind. Uh, when I'm not getting satisfaction, help that to be a reminder that satisfaction can only be found in you. In Christ's name, amen.